welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Chris Brown. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Tim. How are you going? Hello. Uh, yes, thanks, Sarah. Uh, yes, here we are at 101, coming in uh, to your homes. We trust that you're engaging and uh, worshipping with us and um, really appreciated last week some people commenting uh, on the live stream uh, and um, just giving us some feedback. And it encourages and engages other people too. If you make some positive comments, <laughs> certainly helps others to... Um, connect and invite other people to watch. This is uh, up in uh, on uh, YouTube and uh, Facebook, so you can share it and send it on to people that may be um, wanting to hear some encouraging news in these difficult times. And we're talking about heaven at the moment, um, and uh, we are all having the opportunity and the hope to be able to head to heaven eventually. Um, we've still got life to live here and uh, plenty to enjoy and embrace and engage with while we're still uh, on earth. I uh, really appreciated the, um, the worship, the good communion word from Chris, uh, yeah, volunteer of the year last year for doing all the high uh, level of tech work required for coping with the uh, COVID situation and that's continuing again now. So appreciative of the, everyone involved helping us to bring uh, a sense of engagement, church connection. I agree what Tim was saying about the, um, the connections. Um, yes, so Ruth sends her greetings. Uh, she'll be preaching next week. Um, and, uh, and yesterday was her birthday and she in, embraced the opportunity to enjoy it in spite of the rain and the restrictions. And she just adapted and adopted the right attitude to say, yep, well, I'm going to have a great day. And she did. Had a family Zoom meeting and, um, you know, exercise and presence. And she enjoyed a gourmet dinner served in our own home. <laughs> Courtesy of me, sort of. No, I look. I could have made a really incredible meal. I, I could have, but I really want to support the local businesses. So I, I worked with a restaurant locally and just want to keep the economy going. Okay, so um, now, um, hey, do you like the Wimbledon colours? Do you notice? Okay, the purple and green of Wimbledon because Ash Barty, I don't want to be a spoiler alert if you recorded it, if you didn't notice, but uh, you know she won Wimbledon first uh, woman to do so from Australia in 41 years since Yvonne Goolagong Corley. Some of us may be old enough to remember Yvonne Goolagong. And uh, go Ash. She lost the second set, as you may know, and uh, they asked her in the interview, uh, you know, how did you come back? What's the deal? And she just said, you've got to just keep fighting. And I think what a great, you know, motto or uh, uh, principle to uh, keep in your mind and in your heart to just keep fighting. And again, with these difficult times, just keep trusting in the Lord, keep pressing on, keep embracing life and, and uh, God's going to help us all to get through it. Um, so we're talking about heaven. And, uh, you know, lockdown, I mentioned this last week, lockdown makes you <laughs> look forward to things. And, of course, the ultimate thing to look forward to is heaven. And, uh, and knowing that you're heading there uh, can fill you with hope, 
and perspective and resilience and, and strength to cope with whatever is going on. If it's not a worldwide pandemic, there'll be something else uh, that throws life into disruption at times. And uh, whatever problems you have, remember, they're only temporary. But heaven will be eternal. And uh, it's going to last forever. And so it's good for us to keep that in mind and to think about this and to know what's ahead of us. Now, I mentioned again last week that um, there's a lot we don't know about heaven. But there are some things we do know. And the best source, the most reliable source of information we have to know about heaven is God's word. The Bible is God's words to us about a whole bunch of stuff, including some details about heaven. So this morning, I want to look at seven biblical facts about heaven or seven things you need to know about heaven. You remember in John 14, uh, Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. That's what he's doing right now. He's preparing a place for you in heaven. Well, what kind of place is that? Well, I've got seven things. The first one is that heaven is the place where Jesus is, which is awesome because Jesus is awesome. He's the most amazing person in the universe and you can know him personally. We find it hard to know him fully physically, but we can know him spiritually and we do get an understanding of how incredibly loving and amazing and gracious and cool and he's our Lord, our leader, our saviour, he's the Prince of Peace and the King of Kings and he's got it all. Um, I don't know about you but when I was at school and I'm sure you probably had this experience, there were a few kids, every now and then there'd be a kid that was just the person you wanted to hang out with. They had the it factor, they were just the, the coolest kid and uh, for me when I was in second grade, I remember that kid was Philip Crofts, he was the guy you wanted to be with. And I was so blessed because he chose me to be one of his mates. And he was, he was clever, funny, witty, engaging. The teachers liked him, the kids liked him, everyone liked him. And, uh, and it, was just a, it was just a great feeling. You feel like, oh, now, I don't know, maybe you were that kind of kid. <laughs> at school. I certainly wasn't. Uh, but it was nice to be included and to be able to hang around with someone. And not only that, I'll have you know that along with Philip, I got to be a co-founder of the Twisty Gang. Now, my kids and maybe my church has heard me talk about the Twisty Gang, but uh, if you haven't, I need to just give it a little bit of attention. It was pretty awesome. In fact, I think life's been pretty much downhill ever since. But no, look, um, the Twisty Gang, we, it, our M&A's our, um, uh, Memorandum and Articles Association for our organisation was quite simple. Uh, basically, buy Twisties from the canteen and share them around. Um, in fact, it went next level. We used to save up our money and buy extra packets of Twisties, five cents a packet, I'll have you know, so it was a big investment. But we bought extra packets and gave them to other kids. So we soon had a following and we had this gang and we skipped, I remember skipping, skipping was cool in second grade. We even had a song and I must admit I can't remember the song but I know we had a song. So we'd go around singing the Twisty song and get, I'm getting a bit carried away here but anyway, um, I should probably get back to the Bible. The point is, there are some kids that are just fun to be with, some adults that are fun to be with. The life of the party, the most amazing... Okay, you just take that 
idea, that concept, that person and extrapolate or expand it out a billion times and you get a little taste of who Jesus is, how awesome it is and that he chooses you to be in his gang. It's just a little taste, a crispy, cheesy, twisty kind of taste. Um, So back to the Bible, it says in Psalm uh, 33 verse 13, from heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. So there he is. The Lord's in heaven. And, and notice he looks down. So heaven's up somewhere. And that's where Jesus is. And when Jesus went back to heaven after his resurrection, the disciples are all looking up. And two angels appeared and said to them this. You read it in Acts 1.11. Angels said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. So that's uh, hinting at the second coming. Jesus is going to come back from heaven to earth again. More on that next week. Um, And then again in Acts, you read this in uh, chapter 7, verse 55. Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open. And the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Wow. That was a bittersweet moment because I don't know if you realize, as he said those words, he is literally being stoned to death by the religious crowd who found the whole talk of Jesus being the Messiah uh, blasphemous. And they killed Stephen and talk about mixed emotions. He's suffering from pain, but he looks up and that pain is overwhelmed by seeing Jesus in heaven. Isn't that awesome? And he sees Jesus with open arms waiting for him, welcoming him to heaven. And he, of course, Jesus has the same open arms to each one of us. He's waiting there for us in heaven. Second thing about heaven is that it's a place that is much better than earth. A whole lot better. There's a lot to enjoy on earth. I hope you have and will continue to enjoy all the wonderful things that we can get up to down here. But it's nothing compared to what waits for us in heaven. The, the, um, the uh, list of heroes we read about in uh, Hebrews chapter 11 talks about all these different people. Excuse me. I hope that didn't crackle too much. And it summarizes their experiences. Uh, these great people of faith. And in verse 13, there's this reflection and summary about them. There it is. All these people were still living by faith when they died. But look, they did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers here on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they'd been thinking of that country they had left, they would have had an opportunity to return. Instead, they were looking, sorry, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that interesting? These people live by faith, but you don't always get everything that you believe for or that you're looking for or that you're fighting for or struggling. This side of heaven. So their faith hadn't been fully rewarded, but it was... By getting to heaven, it was called a better country, a heavenly country, a city that was waiting for them and for us. 
And so when I read that, I think we shouldn't ever be surprised or disappointed when things don't work out here on earth. Of course, disappointment is a natural emotion, but not, not overly put out, not, not really, you know, shocked that things aren't just right. It's, it's never going to be perfect here on earth. And, uh, and yet heaven is exactly that. Not just a bit better than earth, but, but perfect. Just, just going to be amazing. Uh, look at uh, Revelation 21 verse 4. Jesus, it says, Jesus will wipe every tear from their eyes. This is John's revelation of a whole bunch of stuff, but including a picture, an image of heaven. There will be no more death or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Isn't that great? No pain, just perfection. And this is why, you know, have you ever wondered, Jesus said, pray this, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because it's perfect in heaven. It's all good, as they say. It's all good in heaven. And of course, when we pray, we're not going to get everything that's in heaven here on earth, but we do get glimpses. We do get some aspects of what's going on in heaven when we pray and we, wow, get this wonderful sense and we see God move in our hearts, in our lives, in our circumstances. And that's the power of prayer, bringing some aspect of heaven to earth. But of course, it's going to be fully experienced and appreciated when we're in heaven. And of course, in Luke 15, you may remember Jesus said, when one sinner repents, there is a great celebration in heaven, a party in other words. Now, sadly, you know, the people, sorry, the, the image people, the image that people have had of heaven uh, is sometimes a little sad and somber and very serious and that God himself is kind of old and mean uh, and nothing could be further from the truth because God is, is loving and full of joy and fun. He, he invented fun. You know, God is a party animal in the purest, best sense of the world. Not, you know, you hear that party animal and people have an image of sort of, you know, drunk and stupid, you know, pretending that they had a great time while they're covered in vomit the next morning. But no, no, no. Take out the debauched, weird, twisted side of it. Just pure fun, pure partying, celebration, wonderful. It's a place where everyone can dance. You know, you don't feel stupid or you actually enjoy it. And the music's to everyone's taste. Incredible. And, and as you get older, you don't find it too loud. And, you know, all this kind of, you know, you can, you can eat whatever you like. Imagine that, just partying on and you can have, you know, all the pork crackling and chocolate and cake you like and you still have this perfect physical physique. It's incredible. So uh, heaven's going to be amazing. Um, heaven, number three, heaven is a place of identity. What I mean by this is that you will not be some personless, abstract, nebulous, angelic spirit being just floating around, playing a harp, sitting on a cloud, not really knowing what you're doing there. That's not the way it is. You know, Jesus told an interesting story in Luke 16. Uh, it says in verse 22 about this beggar who goes 
Well, he goes to Abraham's side, and we haven't got time to get into the, the theology of it, but that's pretty much heaven or paradise. Abraham's bosom, as the old tra- traditional um, uh, version says. And the rich man uh, is, uh, is in hell or in torment. And he looks up and he sees Abraham and, uh, and Lazarus, the, the poor man. Uh, but the point from that story, just to notice now, is that both the rich man and Lazarus, and Abraham for that matter, retained their personal identities. So we will get new bodies, but you will still be you. You will still have your same person and personality that you have now. The theologians uh, Duffield and Cleave in their book on theology said this, we will not lose personal identity in heaven. On the contrary, our personalities will be raised to the highest level of personal being. The best of earth's relationships in the body of Christ will endure in heavenly life. So that's very cool. Flowing on from that, number four, heaven is a place of activity. In other words, we're going to do things. Like I said, we're not just going to sit around playing a harp, getting bored. Often people have thought, heaven sounds boring. What are you, you're not going to do anything, sing songs, that's it. Yeah. In Revelation 7.15, Therefore, they are before the throne of God. This is another vision of heaven. And they serve him. See that? They serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. So these are believers, actually refers to believers who survived the tribulation at the end of time, which Ruth might be able to cover uh, more next week when she talks about what happens when we die and how people get to heaven. But for now, we notice that these people, uh, they, they are doing something. Now, we know. Uh, okay, so before sin entered the world, we had the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve. So they had responsibility. They had work to do. And they loved it. It, it wasn't a problem. It was only after the fall, after sin entered, that work became kind of a burden. Uh, but until then, God said, be fruitful, fill the earth, subdue it. And that was a good thing. They were excited about it. They had purpose. They had meaning. They had responsibility. And so in a sense, heaven will be paradise regained. So it makes sense, therefore, that we'll have meaningful, interesting roles of responsibility. Now, what will we do exactly? We don't know. And so this is like many questions about life and heaven, that there are some mysteries, there are some questions that remain unanswered. Like, do dogs go to heaven? I changed my theology on that one when my dog died. Or, excuse me, how come water's supposed to help you out and it makes it worse? Excuse me. Um, or, uh, you know, do people who have died before you, loved ones, do they know what's going on? Can they see you? We don't know. You know, on that mystery of life, when I was younger, and I have told this story, so forgive me if you've heard it, but it might have been a while. Um, you know, my, uh, you, 1969, man landed on the moon. I was six years old. So for the next few years, we were very aware of outer space. It was in the media, in kids' books. You will go to the moon. Little book was. It was like, wow, we're going to go to the moon and outer space. So it was very much in the public mind. And 
we're thinking a lot about space. And I started to think, what, what, this whole thing of what's at the end of space? What's at the end of the universe? If that ends, then there's something after that. Well, how does that end? What's... And my brother was very intellectual. He read a lot of science fiction books. He said, oh, it's all very simple, Chris. And he explained, tried to explain the curved space theory. Great. I was like nine or ten or eight or I don't know, something like this. And, uh, and so I went to my father and that was worse because he was an uber intellectual who just loved the opportunity to share deeper thoughts and details about you, the universe and I just I remember my eyes probably just you know glazing over and I'd feign interest and understanding while my father was enthusiastically explaining details that I couldn't grasp so then I tried my mum out and I remember um I remember the moment we we're driving in the car to the shops and I said to my mum look what's the deal mum with this whole what's at the end of space how do you get to the what if that's the end then what happens then and how what stops how can, and my mum just said, oh, look, yeah, I don't know. Some people have gone mad trying to think about that. And she just said it as an off-the-cuff remark, but I just heard her say, people have gone mad thinking about that. And I just thought, I'm going to go mad. This is serious. This is bad. So, Chris, you're going to have to stop this. Stop this thinking. You're going to go mad. I've seen pictures of people in straitjackets. I know what that means. I'm going insane. This is, oh, thanks, mum. Thanks a lot. And, and so I remember for the weeks, months, maybe not years, but for some time afterwards, I'd be thinking, space, well, stop it, stop it, you're going to go mad. And it was a real concern to me. And so um, there, just sharing that, just so you don't feel like your life's too weird. We've all got a little bit of weirdness in us. I think I've got my head around it, just. And um, okay, so my point is, there are some mysteries. We don't know. And you can do your best when we meet again, scientists, intellectuals, do your best to try and explain to me what's at the end of space. But maybe like me, you'll just go, uh, I don't know. And that's okay because we're finite, God's infinite. We don't understand everything and that's true of heaven. Uh, but what we do know is that uh, it's going to be amazing. Yeah, and uh, And we're going to do amazing things. We're going to have some sense of rewarding activity. Okay, next one is heaven is a place of inheritance and reward. And there's many passages and promises about this. I just want to read a few. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Yes, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. And this inheritance is kept in heaven for you. So we are heirs. Paul tells us that in the book of Romans as well. We have an inheritance waiting for us. Again, don't know all the details, but it sounds good. Matthew 5, Jesus said, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Man, don't you love that? Get into leadership. You'll read that many, many times. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. Okay, there is an upside. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So, you know, you want to serve God. New level, new devil. Uh, you know, there are demonic attacks that come against God's people. And if you want to preach for God, proclaim the gospel, witness, 
lead, organise, do something in the name of Christ, you will find opposition. You will find persecution. You will be unfairly and, and, and un- illogically criticised for things that you haven't done or didn't mean to do or whatever. But the upside is, look at that. Jesus said, that's okay. I mean, you could be persecuted for doing something terrible. That's bad, right? Then repent and don't do it. But sometimes you don't do anything bad and you're still persecuted. And he says, so rejoice then because you've got a great reward in heaven. That's awesome. And then look at Matthew 6, uh, verse 19, just a little bit further on in Matthew's record of Jesus' words and life. Do not store up for yourselves treasures in earth, on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. So again, we don't know the exact details, but we know that we are able to store up treasures in heaven depending on what we do here on earth. Now, of course, judgment day, the end of the world, if you're a believer in Jesus, you will not be judged for your sin. That's all cleansed, all washed away, all forgiven. Your reward for eternal life is given. That's by the blood of Jesus. That's by the grace of God. So that's not in question, right? You've got nothing to be afraid of as far as getting to heaven but we will be judged for our obedience to God's call and we'll be rewarded accordingly all right number six you're still there you're still awake at home all right number six heaven is a place of praise and worship to God wow and again just a couple of many scriptures again in Revelation descriptions of this Revelation 19 verse 1 John says, I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God. And then uh, a few verses later, a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, both great and small. I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, our Lord, oh God Almighty reigns. Let's rejoice, be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. That's the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's Jesus as the Lamb of God meeting with the church at the end of time. Wow. You know, you might not be a singer like me. Some people love worship songs, but we're all made to worship. You know, singing, worship isn't just singing. We talk about, oh, let's sing a song of worship or let's have a time of worship. We tend to think of music, but And music is powerful. It moves our soul, moves us closer to God. But worship is more than that. Worship is our whole being devoted to God. And you were designed to worship God. And sadly, here on earth, people worship all kinds of other stuff. Some people worship their careers and they make sacrifices because whatever you worship, you'll bow down to. You'll sacrifice. You'll, You'll give up some things to get that thing. So some people sacrifice it and give up stuff to build the career, to make the money, to get that material thing so they worship their career. Some people worship movie stars, pop stars, ah, you know, and, and the TV's full of stars. You can be a TV star having done nothing but become a reality star, just someone filming around your home somehow. If you're good looking enough, ah, you know, people tend to follow you and worship you. Some people worship their bodies, getting a little, you know, working on this 
tuck here and work on that and go to the gym to work that little sinew in my little finger. Look at the definition I've got. Look at that. You know, it's like whatever. So, you know, we were designed to worship. There's something in us that wants to follow and give ourselves. Well, of course, we're designed to worship the Lord. And we do well if we sort of tap into that and focus in on him here now. And then it's going to make sense when we're in heaven. And uh, okay. And then, um, all right, the last one. Are we on number seven? Yeah. Heaven's a place of great beauty, splendor, and glory. And again, there's many descriptions in the book of Revelation about this. You've got to read that book. It'll spin your mind out, but it's good. And, uh, and here's just a few uh, of, of this amazing place that awaits us. In Revelation 21, verse 10. He carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God. Its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. And then uh, further on, verse 21, the 12 gates were 12 pearls. It's like what my mum saw, if you listen to the message last week. Each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was of gold, as pure as transparent glass. And one more, Revelation 22 verse 1, listen to this. The angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit, Every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Wow, these are powerful images. And again, we can't fully understand it all, but it just sounds pretty cool. Glorious, amazing. I want to finish with two quotes from two famous writers. Uh, The first is from Nora Ephron. And you might have heard of her. She was a very witty American essayist, uh, screenwriter, filmmaker, wrote a lot of and directed a lot of uh, funny rom-com films. Um, And when she was diagnosed with a fatal disease, she didn't tell anyone. But her writing gave glimpses of what she was going through, made sense to people who read later on, because she died in the end. People who were close to her had no idea right to the end. And she wrote with her classic caustic wit these words, Death is a sniper. It strikes people you love, people you like, people you know. It's everywhere. You could be next. But then you turn out not to be. But then again, you could be. Even in her witty way, it's a very sad, terrifying view of death. But I will not finish on that, you'll be pleased to know. And death doesn't have to be that way because others have written on death. One in particular, C.S. Lewis, had a much more positive outlook because of his faith in Christ. He called death, farewell to shadowlands. Great image. And he said this, death is simply chapter one of the great story which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever and in which every chapter is better than the one before. I think that is a great image 
of the story of your life that is going to be written when you get to heaven. And of course, you get to decide this side of the pearly gates whether you're going to be there, whether your name will be written in the Lamb's Book of Life because Jesus offers us the opportunity to go to heaven. All we're going to do is simply surrender our life to him. He's the only way to get to heaven. And I want to encourage you to do that, to pray a prayer of commitment if you haven't before. Or maybe you need to make a recommitment of your life to Christ. Well, you can do that right now. Uh, you can be in touch with us if you want information or you want someone to pray with you. And so I'll pray as we come to a close. And as we sang earlier, we, uh, one of those songs, we fix our eyes on heaven. And uh, I think the same song referred to God working all things together for good, Romans 8, 28. And that's very much uh, the way it is when we get our lives aligned with him. We fix our eyes on Jesus, fix our eyes on heaven, and we live backwards from that perspective. Things are going to work out. Come on, pray with me as we come to a close this morning. Hallelujah. Father God, we thank you that uh, you are with us, that you move in our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit. And because of the sacrifice of Jesus, we thank you, Lord Jesus, we can be forgiven for our sin and given a home waiting for us in heaven. We thank you that you are preparing that place for us. What a place it will be. And I thank you that you touch every single person here today to get right with you, to live with you, and eventually to be with you in heaven. Thank you, Lord God, that even in these difficult times, we can live well, trusting in you, serving you, enjoying life, embracing life, overcoming the attacks of the enemy and living with the confidence and the power of God on the inside. We thank you, Holy Spirit, moving in our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net